With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12. The podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference. Forget the SEC. Forget the Big 10. And forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks. The Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 podcast and subscribe today. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mint. Today is our final day of the season finale. Uh, it is the final episode of this quote-unquote season. We are going to be coming back fairly soon here. I'm taking about a week off, have a couple things going on, and then I will be jumping back into previews of our opponents coming up, as we do every single year. Um, not sure if we're going to have one for Tennessee Tech, uh, but we will have a podcast episode at least talking about uh, West Virginia and onwards. So, But before we do that, obviously we have to finish out this season um, we've already done a, you know, football retrospective, a basketball retrospective. This is the episode where we wrap everything up. We talk about all of the rest of the athletic department. There's a bunch of stories across the entire athletic department that have been absolutely fantastic this year. Things that I want to make sure that get highlighted that we have not had an opportunity to do that. So we have a whole bunch of people coming back. Again, everybody that came back for the other two episodes all have their own thoughts about this other story. That it's the one to highlight. Um, some people highlight more than one, which is absolutely fine. This is the one episode where I really don't care if you do a whole bunch of different things because there are so many different things that do not get the spotlight that they really deserve. So, you know, we've got um, KU volleyball, track, uh, soccer. You know, we've got women's basketball. We've got uh, softball, baseball, tennis. We've got a whole bunch of different programs. Um, you know, KU rowing. There's even talk about club teams coming up here in these. So definitely make sure that you listen to all of these to give all of those different programs the love that they deserve. But we're going to go ahead and jump right in. Let's let's get you right over to all of our guests. 
And I'm joined by Jordan Gusky of the Topeka Capital Journal. Jordan, we're going to wrap up here with the biggest or your favorite or the best story from anywhere else in the Kansas Athletic Department other than football or basketball. Yeah, you know, I think, um, I guess the most interesting, uh, one, maybe not the, but one of the most interesting things to follow outside of football and men's basketball, which is that women's basketball team doing as well as it did uh, during the regular season and then going to the NCAA tournament and, and winning a game there um, as well um, before their season ended, just because of, of where, and I know you've mentioned this before, I haven't been on the beat, you know, a whole heck of a long time here, so not even a year yet, if you look on the calendar, but seeing, you know, where that program was, how it was viewed going into the season, you know, from the outside, how they felt about themselves and then how they backed that up with one of the best seasons that the programs had in a long time. Uh, I think it, it was definitely really impressive to see. Obviously, Brandon gets a contract extension out of it. Um, so, you know, very impressive season for that team. And they bring very nearly everything back from that squad. Um, so you would think with development, they should be able to have, you know, a great year again, you know, if everything falls their way. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because pretty much the rest of the Big 12 had a lot of big pieces come back as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how good this Big 12 conference is next year and how far of a step Kansas can take. But to your point, like going into Big 12 media days, because I was actually there for the women's Big 12 media days and was surprised by how confident they seemed, um, you know, given the way that they ended the previous season, like – Yes, you always think the teams are going to be feel, feel confident in themselves, but the way that they were talking about it, you know, they, they really kind of gave off the air that they expected to finish in the top half of the Big 12 Conference, um, which, you know, again, given the way that they ended last season or the season prior, you were kind of skeptical. And I, I don't think it was wrong to be somewhat skeptical, but they, they talked a lot about how the COVID year forced them to play people out of position and, you know, really forced them to, to juggle a lot of things that you, a team shouldn't normally have to juggle. Um, and so the fact that they were able to back up those sorts of statements by how well all these teams or how well they played and how well they were able to perform in the Big 12 conference, especially um, with, with with how tough the conference is, I thought showed a lot of the growth that they had, a lot of the things that, you know, that you were expecting to see from them going into the year. There was a lot of people, myself included, that were wondering if this was going to be the final season for Brandon Schneider. Like they were going to have to do something or he very well was, well, I guess it would have been a con or just not renewing his contract because he was in the final year of his contract. But it was definitely one of those things where it seemed like the writing was on the wall that unless they did something big, that he probably wasn't going to be back next year because he had had, you know, a lot of years and hadn't really seen a lot of movement. Um, but they did something gigantic. You know, they, they took that huge step forward, finishing in the top half of the conference, coach Schneider getting, uh, the, you know, the Big 12 Coach of the Year award. And like you said, they have so much stuff coming back next year that it's hard to not be optimistic about what this team can do next year. And I'm joined now once again by Kyle Davis, our deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle, um, we've already talked about football. We've already talked about basketball. Um, so let's wrap it up here with all with you know, the rest of the athletic department, what was your best favorite, your the biggest moment for the athletic department as a whole outside of football and basketball this season? Um, is it is it cheating if I talk about the women's basketball team in that room? Oh, of course not. Because I think I think the you know that it, it's so easy to get overshadowed, obviously by the men's team. And, and of course the year that, that the women have a, have a, you know, one the best year in more than a decade. And of course the, the men won the national title, but that, you know, it, like I, I, 
being excited about the the selection show and and watching the you know the game against Stanford in the second round and just not like just that that was a fun team and it was good to see Schneider you know after after really kind of building this up for several years see the payoff and you know even with all the you know it's like one of those the rich get richer kind of thing in in basketball but it was it was fun to be able to to share the wealth and also like have a really fun team that you know like basically at a lot of times you had a really good men's game on Saturday and a good women's game on Sunday. There's some really good battles with K-State and, and different ones. Like I, I, that, that one, I guess, immediately stands out as one that uh, I would call out because it was one that I don't know that many people saw coming, obviously, considering some of the preseason rankings and whatnot. But like that was – that was incredible. And now, you know, we talked about football optimism and whatnot. Like I, there's, there's gotta be some legitimate buzz around the women's basketball team for next year as well. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of those things like they are returning almost every single significant piece they had to that team. Um, like almost all of the players are coming back. Like Julie Brousseau, she graduated cause she was a transfer senior, but you know, they have new players coming in that are transferring and kind of filling some of those holes, but they have the core of that team is coming back and is expected to be a really good team next year. Of, of course, the problem is that the rest of the Big 12, you know, they have a, a pretty much everybody coming back as well and have a, a really, really good teams as well. So it's going to be interesting and fascinating to see what Kansas is going to do now when people see them coming, right, when they're ready for them. Um, but to your point, like, this is this is the kind of team that you would expect a basketball-rich team like or a basketball-rich school like Kansas to have for their women's team as well. And the fact that they were able to kind of put it together, you know, the fact that, you know, it really kind of vindicated a lot of what Brandon Schneider and the players were saying last year, um, you know, about the COVID year, about players having to play out of position, having players that opted out, and with how far the team fell, the fact that most people, yes, you wanted to kind of write off a COVID year, but there was a lot of questions. Like, Coach Schneider was on the hot seat coming into this year. And the fact that he was able to win coach of the year and solidify his position and really kind of put this Kansas program back on the map with a tough win against a Georgia Tech team that is, you know, not a slouch and when it comes to women's basketball. Um, but to get that big tournament win, to, to be able to play a team like Stanford and to be as competitive as they were in that game, because you have to remember they were in that game, you know, through halfway through the third quarter, it was still a, like a game that was within striking distance. And then Stanford did what, you know, Stanford does because they're that great of a team and really pulled away at that point. But it was a phenomenal performance for them. It was great to see them wrap up a fantastic season that they had there. So I, yeah, I'm excited about what they're going to be able to do next year. And, you know, as someone who's been a big proponent of trying to cover every single team, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've had, you know, Todd Chapman of the, of the, the tennis coach on the podcast to talk about his team. You know, we, we love talking about volleyball and women's basketball and soccer. And like, we've tried to cover every single team. It's great to have a team like the women's basketball team that is playing well enough that other people are actually going to care about it. And I'm not just talking about them because I want to talk about them. I'm talking about them because people want to hear about them. And I'm joined now by Derek Knoll. He is one of our analysts over at Blue Wings Rising. Derek, to finish us up, the your favorite, the biggest, or the most impactful story that's from something other than uh, college, I'm sorry, men's men's basketball or football. Can it be something like this? This is where I wanted to go with this one. Other people, especially rivals in the, you know, in the area, K-State, Mizzou, others, those fans' reactions to Kansas winning? 
Sure. I guess that, that works for me. <laughs> for me, like I, you, I just, I just kind of reveled in it. If you know what I mean, it, it became a big story. All of the people I'd get texts from my K-State buddies and people that are, you know, begrudgingly sending me thanks. And then you'd get the people that would just send you a, a text with an Adidas logo on it. Like that meant something to me or some sort of trash talking. It, it, it was just this, kind of pathetic attempt on a bunch of people's parts and i know this doesn't really fit the bill of what you're asking but i i didn't have much to say about the women's no, right. or golf or volleyball or anything this year um but it was just the overall almost oh god they did it and the the excuses, the, the, the litany of things that could, Oh, uh, when they take that, when they strip you of the, the wins, when they take your championship away, when they do this, that, and the other, Oh, the Adidas thing, the FBI, all this other stuff. And so for me, like that was just a, a I was a pretty fun one, you know, that's, I know it's basketball related, but it's, I, I would have to say it's media related or, you know, um, other team related. So it's not necessarily, uh, Kansas basketball because I'm getting a, I'm getting it a lot from you know living in Kansas City and having friends from uh, both sides of the state line and allegiances that are not blue and red you know so yeah well and and to kind of grab onto that and kind of morph it into something that's more in line with what I was kind of thinking but that's fine um, you know think about the the job that Travis Goff has done you know here in his first year because yes you know you can you can talk about how most of these staffs most of these rosters were all kind of in place when he took over at the beginning of the year. Um, but there's a lot of times where an athletic director will come in and will, you know, mess with stuff, will find reasons to bring in his own coaches in different sports. Um, I, I can't count the number of times an athletic director comes in and finds a pet sport that's not one of the major ones but wants to have some sort of measure of control over his athletic department. So he says, well, we're going to make a change here because they haven't been able to do enough. You know, and that was kind of one of those things you could have potentially seen from like a Brandon Schneider um, you know, with the women's basketball. Oh, hey, guess what? They made it to the second the, the second weekend of, I'm sorry, the second round of the insulated tournament. You know, you could yeah. have done something with volleyball because volleyball has struggled at times, um, you know, in the last couple seasons after having gone to the Final Four. I do think that, that Coach Bouchard wasn't really in danger of ever losing his job, but, like, you could come up with an argument if you really wanted to make an impact in in, in something. But, oh, yeah, by the way, they made it to the Sweet 16 in the, in the volleyball tournament. Like, you know, you look at... Women's, or I'm sorry, we, we were talking about women's basketball. Um, you look at stuff like, you know, golf making an appearance in the NCAA championships, something that wasn't really expected. You have the softball team that, you know, yes, they had a very rough season, but they went down and had some postseason success. Like the fact that Travis Goff came in here and was able to have not only the vision of this is what we need to do, like, but this is where we need to not do something because we've got to give these coaches time with an athletic department that's actually going to give them the support that they need to have successful seasons and get there. And, and I think the fact that Kansas men's basketball was able to do the same sort of thing, yes, it, it talks to, you know, how well Bill Self and his staff have been able to kind of pull all that together. But there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with, you know, stuff going on with that, with that, uh, infractions case and everything surrounding that that the athletic department and the athletic department staff take on themselves so that way bill self can try to focus on what's going on yeah and um to your point maybe um maybe baseball is Goff's thing um i, I could that's, be. that's a program that i want to see take off in the next several years um you know i 
I remember the College World Series of, I believe, 1992, and that it would be a much. I was just in Omaha a week ago, and it was the Big Ten tournament they were having up there in Omaha for baseball, and there were tons of fans, and it was it was a lively environment, and and you know, KU used to be decent at baseball, and now it's you know who. Yeah, it's one of those things. That's the thing that changes, you know, if we're talking about not tampering too much. And obviously, um, the former coach had been there for a long, long time. So um, it was probably about due anyway. Yeah, it was one of those things. I I, I think of it like kind of like the Gary Patterson situation down in TCU is that typically you don't try to force a guy who has meant so much to a particular university program. Um, to leave, you know, unless it gets to the point where you literally have no other choice. And and I think the end of this season is kind of where they got to the point where, you know, they needed to encourage him to go ahead and retire. Um, if if he wasn't already thinking about retiring, it was like it was about time for a change. But, hey, we don't really want to fire you because of what you've done for this program and what you've been able to to, to put together here. But it's time, you know, it's time for a change. So um, I, I feel like there's plenty of other programs around Kansas that you theoretically could have done something similar um, baseball was probably the one that was the most likely for that sort of thing to happen, though. Right. And I'm joined once again by Derek Johnson. He is host of Rock Chalk Sports Talk over on 1320 KLWN over in Lawrence. Derek, your to, to, to wrap us up for the year, your favorite, the best, the biggest sport story that is not football or basketball from the rest of the athletic department. Uh, I did want to give a shout out to the volleyball team. That was fun. We actually got to go up there, our station, and and broadcast the uh, Sweet 16 or run to the Sweet 16, first and second round games in Omaha. They upset Oregon. They upset Creighton, go to the Sweet 16 with some really young, good players. And Caroline Bien um, is going to be an absolute superstar. I mean, she already basically is. So that was exciting. But uh, I want to give a shout out to the KU Rugby Club. Um, Technically not a KU-sponsored sport or event but like they have the you know the the KU club sports essentially uh where they have I guess like the blessing they can use the Jayhawk and all those things and the KU rugby club made it all the way to the national championship game it was their uh deepest run in program history which I, I don't know how long the program goes for but like I mean it's it's at least like 30 40 years it's been around for a while and um they got to go down to Frisco Texas they got to play in that national championship game they got to host their regional round and they, they won the two games to move on their head coach Andy Stewart is an awesome dude he's super fun to talk to too because he's from Australia so you have the Australian accent which sounds really cool and he's got some like cool sayings that he'll say like uh you know we always say like uh he'll say like bring home the chocolates like that's a that's a saying for uh you know getting the big victory essentially it just it's cool and and I got to know some of the the coaches and and people who are involved with the team over the course of the year and, and to see them have that success. I had never been to a rugby event before, and I would highly recommend going out to uh, one of the Jayhawk rugby events. It's, it's like a party. Um, but at the same point in time, there's this cool event going on and um, you know, they're, they're serving food and people are drinking beers as they're watching the game. And you know, it's just, it's, it's a physical sport. It's a fast sport. It's a fun sport. You might not totally understand what everything is. I didn't really, but but as you watch it, you start to pick it up. You start to learn. Like it's it's very similar in certain ways to other sports. It pulls from different things, or maybe other sports pull from it. And like it, it's one of those things where you see it, and there's different styles of teams. There's teams that utilize their speed and work to the outside. There's teams that you know do the three yards in a cloud of dust type of thing where they're just working up the field. And so it, it was really fun to kind of get to know that team and. 
they've got some great athletes out there. So I would highly recommend um, checking out the K rugby club next season. And I would imagine they're going to have a good team once again, but yeah, that ride for them to get to the national championship game was a really big deal. And it was uh, kind of cool getting to talk to the different people along the way. Yeah, that's that's actually really cool. I, I love talking about the club teams. I don't get a chance to do it very often, but like I know a few years ago we had the Jayhawk Hockey Club team on quite a few times um, as they were making their run to the national tournament and having an opportunity to compete for a national championship as well. So I, I love being able to highlight those those teams because it is hard for them to get. You know, like I talk all the time about how difficult it is. You know, to talk about like tennis and softball and all of these other sports that don't typically get a lot of coverage. Um, it's even harder for the club teams. And, and even though you're right, they're not officially school sanctioned, you know, sports. They're not school sponsored sports. They are, you know, part of the Jayhawk family. They are part of the Jayhawk athletics in some fashion, even though it is a club and they have to end up, you know, paying a whole lot more of the way to do it. So, um, it, it's great to, to give those teams an opportunity. I, I actually knew someone in high school that played rugby, but I have never actually watched a full match. So I'm going to have to try to see if I can take you up on that. Uh, head out there sometime next year and, and maybe we have someone else now that we have to bring on the podcast to be able to talk about another another Jayhawk sport so yeah I would uh, highly recommend it talk to Andy Stewart I'm telling you he will uh, it's it's a very soothing voice of the gods with the Australian accent awesome and I am joined once again by Scott Chasen host uh, or one of the hosts of the drive over on WWW uh, over in Topeka Scott to finish this off the biggest or the best or your favorite story from anything other than basketball or football from the athletic department this year? Well, I'm kind of going to be cheating because I am choosing basketball, but just what the women's basketball team did. And I think it's more than making the NCAA tournament and winning a game. And I actually think it's kind of an incomplete story at this point, because quite frankly, if Kansas didn't have a kind of a shaky situation with athletic directors, you know, the last few years and changing things. Although obviously now there's some more stability with Travis Goff. Uh, Brandon Schneider would have probably should have been out of a job. You don't get this many years just to make the NCAA tournament one time. And, and I've said this on Twitter, by the way, making the NCAA tournament one time should not exempt you, you know, from any possible job scrutiny. I I think what Kansas does next year, bringing back a ton of pieces, I, I think that is where you look at and say, okay, let's see what Brandon Schneider can do with a veteran team that just made the NCAA tournament that proved it can play at a high level. This is when you learn if a coach is capable of elevating a team or just building a nice collection of talent that every once in a blue moon can go out and win. So I think Brandon Schneider saving his Kansas career, um, you know, putting together the best season they've had since, you know, those Bonnie Hendrickson uh, back-to-back sweet 16 runs or two sweet 16 runs. Um, I think that was really important for, Brandon Schneider. I think that was really important for a Kansas women's basketball program that quite frankly should be better than it is. Um, I think it's important for the pieces on that roster that really gelled and came together. Many of which, by the way, you know, dipping overseas, going into the kind of the Europe route to, to build out a roster creatively. And I was really impressed by how it all came together. The resolve Kansas showed even hanging in a game, you know, against a one seed for way longer than typically would happen. um, You know, at that point with the women's tournament. So I was very impressed by the job Brandon Schneider did last year. And I'd say even bigger is going into next year. What does he do as a following act? Because if they're not back at this level plus, I'd say eventually you're still going to be looking for a different women's coach. 
But if he shows that as the coach of that team, he can elevate them, you know, even a step further, I think that's awesome. I think that's exciting for Kansas fans. And I think that should, you know, bring some really fun women's basketball inside Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, for sure. Like I was, I was ecstatic to have that happen. Like it's one of those things where you root, you know, it's especially, I like to root for all of the other programs. Um, it's really hard to have a podcast like this where one of your stated goals is to talk about all the other programs and then not really have enough happening <laughs> that people want to listen to. Them. Um, and so it was great to have a team like that, that I could talk more about can kind of dive more into that. But, but kind of to your point, like it was, it was absolutely reasonable for any fan to be thinking about Brandon Schneider being on the hot seat this year. Um, because of what they had done. And yes, you had COVID as an excuse for last year, why they cratered there. You know, they were without people. They had a bunch of players opt out. They were playing guys, you know, they, they were playing players out of position entirely. And that was one of those things that you heard about in Big 12 Media Days this year at the start and kind of wondered how true that really was, how much of an excuse that was. The way that they performed, though, kind of really led a lot of credibility to those statements. The fact they were able to pull all of this together. But like you said, they have to be able to build on it. Yes, Brandon Schneider won coach of the year in the Big 12, but the Big 12 isn't going to get any easier. Like yeah. almost everybody is coming back for the Big 12, for the other Big 12 teams. Like, you know, Ashley Jones is coming back for Iowa State. Like there's a ton of players coming back across the entire conference that I don't know that any of those other teams are going to fall off, which means you have to maintain what you're doing and get even better. Um, and so yeah. I, I think it's fair to say, though, that Kansas should make the NCAA tournament next year as well, barring, you know, injuries or some sort of catastrophic type of thing happening to the roster. You know, I think that they've set that bar there, showing what they're able to do and showing that they're able to bring this this entire collection of talent together. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I agree. It's it's fantastic to have <laughs> these programs. And to your point about athletic director stability, um, you know, it's it was it's been a great year for across the entire athletic department for a lot of different sports getting the postseason or having success late in the year that you wouldn't necessarily see. I, I do think it's fair though to look at like Brandon Schneider as someone like like Rich Price with the baseball team, right, where they had some highlights, they had some really good years where they were able to do some things in the postseason, but the program can't backslide the way that the baseball program has recently because, you know, you can't afford to be losing the ground on all of those Olympic sport programs. Yeah, and I think you've got to engage fans too because you do have an exciting team. I mean, think about last year. Holly Kerskeeter, there were times where she was as fun to watch as anyone in the nation on any team, just pulling up, hitting shots. I mean, legitimately, ridiculously fun basketball player to watch. And I think it was Tiana Jackson who got a, a lot of the credit, too, as kind of this big that came into the program average, not quite a double-double, you know, just short in both categories, but just was a really good Big 12 big that I think kind of anchored the team, especially, you know, at times defensively averaged, I think, a few blocks a game. So, there was talent. There was a fun, you know, style of basketball stylistically. That was the word I was looking for. They played a fun way. Um, and yeah, now you just see if they can build on it because, um, you know, I, I think of a program like TCU. TCU is very much in the same boat in basketball this year, although obviously Jamie Dixon in men's basketball, um, although obviously Jamie Dixon has had some more success and bigger success at, you know, some previous stops too at the D1 um, level. But TCU was really fun last year put a real scare into a one seed similar to KU women's basketball for different periods of time last year. 
Now let's see what TCU does. Is that the peak? Is that as good as TCU is going to be? And same with Kansas. Is that the peak? Is the second round tournament team, but ultimately, a, you know, a loss to a, to a better team? Is that the peak of Kansas? Or is there going to be some kind of an elevation in the play where you just see everything come together and all of a sudden Kansas is a four, five, six seed. Kansas is competing up at the top of the Big 12 like they've done in other sports like volleyball. Um, where they're able to compete with some of the traditional powers, Texas obviously being one for volleyball, and you know show that they can compete at the top of the conference. I think there's a real opportunity for Kansas to do that this year, and I think that's a big deal. Sure. And all these guests coming on today are fan are highlighting some fantastic moments for the Kansas Jayhawks, just like you can head on over to sponsor on the podcast and get some fantastic Kansas gear. Yes, I'm talking about Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, all kinds of great stuff over there. They have more than 120 different schools, yes, including the Jayhawks. And they do even have some, you know, non-basketball shirts over there. They have the, the, uh, KU, or sorry, the Kansas, uh, well, the, the, the Kansas Relay shirt over there, absolutely fantastic. That was the one that they sent out with the Big New Saturday. It was an absolutely great shirt, um, the one that I'm going to go, go ahead and be picking up here shortly. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHALK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order. They have tons of stuff from a bunch of different schools. I have way too many Homefield shirts, and you know, actually, as I'm re- getting ready to go on vacation over the summer, I'm going to be taking pretty much only home field apparel stuff so that's how great the stuff is it's super comfortable really really great logos i always get a comment every single time i wear one out even if it's not a kansas one living in the kc area so homefieldapparel.com promo code chalk 12 gets you 15 off your entire first order all orders over 100 dollars get free shipping Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston in their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. And I'm joined by Jesse Newell, the Kansas City uh, Chiefs beat writer now for the Kansas City Star. Uh, but I've uh, been covering the Jayhawks for quite a while. So Jesse, finish us up here with, for, from the rest of the athletic department, not football, not basketball, not men's basketball, uh, what's the biggest, the most impactful, or the story that you're going to remember the most from this academic year? Well, I mean, again, I mean, if, if we're talking off the field stuff, um, you know, there wasn't much progress, but the NCAA case thing is just, it's just, it's there, you know, it, it's there. Uh, it's not resolved yet. I assume it will be in the next few months, but it just keeps hanging over everything. And uh, it's, it was fascinating to like hear Bill Self at the final four and, you know, certain media members, um, you know, are asking about it. Certain ones aren't. Um, some people seem upset that Kansas is there. Some people now with the new rules don't really seem to care anymore. You know, Kansas is playing, but Oklahoma state's not, uh, uh there's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, but again, it's sort of a year of not much progress with that. And that sort of 
cloud hanging over their heads, even though I ended up in that moment of Mark Emmer kind of handing the trophy over to Bill Self <laughs> in the end, which was, uh, you know, the, the whole, you know, the Kansas uh, City Jayhawks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, handing, uh, I don't know, watching your ex get married or something. I mean, it's oh, gosh, something yeah. along those, something along those lines. Uh, you know, honestly, I think the biggest one, obviously, impactfully, is just the NIL stuff. Uh, it's, I, I mean, what else can you say about it? It's in three years we're going to forget what it was like three years ago. Um, yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you think about some of the NCAA case and the court case and the inducements and all that stuff. But then um, just to start now, Nigel Pack's getting two years, 800000 Everybody's talking about it. I mean, that's sort of like signing a deal. Um, this thing is just getting started. And with all the collectives that automatically popped up and teams figure out how they need to do things to compete. Um, yeah, this thing is moving at a rapid pace. And obviously, the NCAA did nothing to get out in front of it. So it's it's sort of hard to get in front of it now you're, you're trailing from behind so um I, I i struggle with that one because i i i think a lot of people don't really want to hear about it i mean they just don't care you know like like they just want to watch the jayhawks play in outfield house they just want to watch a team and if guys make a little bit of money then great do it or if guys get paid sort of by boosters in an indirect way then great get it to them but i, I think they mostly care about they're Jayhawks and connecting to the players or whether it's the Jayhawks or Wildcats or Tigers or whatever, people just want their team to win and they're all the monitors to do well. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of details going into this, but I, again, I, I'm not sure how much people are interested in it rather than they're just interested in watching their team play and win. The only thing I'll say, I, I mean, I don't think this is the biggest story um, compared to those other two, but uh, women's basketball step forward was a, a big thing. And obviously Brandon Schneider struggled and I did a story on him, you know, midway through their run where they got the most big 12 victories they had since 2000. They went to the NCAA tournament. They hadn't done that in a long time. Um, they won a game there, which, you know, again, is a nice milestone for the program, but I talked to him mid season and he admitted that um, we just finished up a talk about KU football. And I talked about Lance Leipold's kind of staying the course and not changing. Brandon Schneider was pretty honest and sort of said when he first got to Kansas that they started losing and, he tried to take a few shortcuts when it came to talent and uh, picking up people with maybe questionable personalities or fit and trying to chase the talent that the rest of the league had. And he thinks that that decision by him set them back a little bit and that he learned his lesson. And this team was, he said, the most together team he had, um, never had a problem off the court. Um, and again, they started to play well together on the court because of it. And he's gotten players to develop over time, which, um, you know, former Jayhawk Terry Nooner's on his staff. So I think he has something to do with that as well. But uh, that's a good step forward for the women's basketball team, obviously in a year that Brandon Snyder really needed it. But uh, it does seem, you know, on this trajectory, it's kind of, we always say the term sleeping giant is kind of just cliche, but it doesn't seem like there should be a great reason that KU women's basketball can't make an NCAA tournament every second or third year and be right. competitive in that sort of way. And so for Branch Snyder to take that step and to have most of his team coming back this year, uh, I think that's that's something that's definitely noteworthy at the end, end of this season. Yeah, for sure. And and kind of like you talked about with the NIL stuff, like it it is touching all over the place with a bunch of different sports, not even just football and men's basketball. Women's basketball, NIL is going to be a is like a big thing. It is, you know, it, it is affecting, I think, things like women's basketball, just as much, if not more, than some of these other sports. Um, but it is one of those things that, like you said, is going to be a big thing for years and years and years to come. Um, 
and it is completely changing the way that we think about a lot of these sports, the way we think about a lot of these players and the relationships they have with the schools. Um, it will be interesting to see how all of that and, and kind of to your point, if, if we're thinking about one individual story that's going to have the longest term impact, it is definitely NIL and, and how this kind of period of NIL and the, and the early stuff really kind of affects how it gets handled for years to come. Yeah, and I I, I struggle too. I, I need to do better in my writing, you know, when I actually write about it now that I'm a <laughs> chief reporter. But um, there does seem to be kind of two roads. Like I wrote about how um, KU worked through six-man strategies. They were selling national championship gear, like caricature shirts, all those sorts of things in Rally House, and that KU players were getting, uh, you know, a kickback or, or a cut of those sales. And that, to me, you know, I talked with Darren Heitner, who's um, kind of an NIL expert. He's a professor and a lawyer in Florida, or for the University of Florida. And he said, like, that's sort of the sunny side of NIL. Like you sell a shirt with your face on it, your family can buy gear, you get a few bucks back from that. Like that's that's sort of what was intended right. for NIL. But like there's also like what these collectives now that are happening and popping up. And we just talked about like sort of almost team ownership when you have a, a booster in Miami who has billions of dollars and just right. says, Hey, I want my team to be good. Can build his how roster does, the way he wants it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how can I funnel this money to make my team good? I mean, it's sort of, sort of like, he's the new John Sherman. You know what I mean? Like if yep. John Sherman wants to spend $300 million and build a great baseball team, well, nothing's stopping him. And I mean, people can cry foul if they want to, but that's how major league baseball's rules are set up. So um, listen, the bottom line is Kansas is going to be good. They're going to figure out a way. Kansas basketball is Kansas basketball, just like Alabama football is Alabama football. The cream is going to rise to the top because the teams with the best coaches, the best facilities, the, the elite programs are always up there. They, they have the benefits. Oh, yeah. And so Kansas will continue to have that. They're not going to lose their advantage with that. And it's sort of just, I think, shining a flashlight on anybody out there thinking, hey, that this was a level playing field before. I mean, it's sort of being laid bare now that um, if you're Kansas football, it's going to be even tougher to compete and tougher to get good and tougher to maintain that level. And for Kansas basketball, to be completely honest, it's easier because maybe there's a Remy Martin out there. Maybe you need a point guard. Maybe he's going to lead you in the national title. And then when the year flips over, maybe you're going to take Texas Tech's best player or second best player, and he's going to stick right into your lineup. So the rich are getting richer and it's tougher for the poor to build unless you get to that level where you become a new Kansas. And so um, again, that's how things were before. I think it's just more pronounced now and it's harder to ignore and it's, that. It's right. It's, now. it's more out in the open now than it was before. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's more out in the open. So um, yeah, it wasn't a level playing field. It never was. Uh, but now, you know, there's light in every corner of the room. So we're all seeing what's happening. And like I said, I'm not sure how much, how interested people are in NIL stories or if there may be paper, maybe it's like COVID. They're just sick of seeing NIL now. I mean, I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they are, they just kind of want to watch their team play and cheer for them. But uh, it is going to be a grand, a, a huge story moving forward. And uh, probably the biggest story of this decade, you know, maybe this millennium uh, for college athletes, because this is definitely different from the rights that they had before. For sure. And I'm joined once again by Steve Fetch, my former co-host here on the podcast. Fetch, let's finish up with uh, your best, biggest, or your favorite story from anywhere else in the athletic department, not football or basketball. Yeah, this I, I imagine will be a little bit of a popular one, but for me, it's the retirement of Rich Price. Um, you know, longtime KU baseball coach. Obviously, you know, probably didn't have the tenure that a lot of people thought he should have or, or maybe wanted, but um, it does seem like he was pretty universally loved by his players, which has to count for something. And um, I, I do, you know, I have a little bit more sympathy, frankly, for the baseball program than the football program, even in terms of. Um, not being so good just because I, I think it's got to be difficult to be 
the most northern school in uh or the most northern baseball playing school i should say because I, I iowa state obviously is in the big 12 but um in a predominantly southern conference and you know you've got texas oklahoma you know texas tech has been really good lately baylor's been really good lately tcu has been really good lately um i mean that's five really good programs oklahoma state as well i mean that's six really really good programs that you know how are you going to be better than more than one or two of those on a yearly basis? I mean, it seems pretty impossible. So um, right off the bat, it seems like you're fighting for six at best. So um, it's one of those things where it's, it's difficult to see where they're going to go, how they're going to improve and, and how they're going to get out of the hole. I'd be lying if I said I knew enough about, you know, who the up and coming assistants were or who the best guy for the job was. And, you know, what they needed to do in terms of recruiting and stuff like that. But um, it does seem like they've always had a handful of, of pretty talented players. I mean, you look at Maui Yahuna, obviously he's transferring now, but um, was one of the best players in the Big 12 and one of the best players in the country. So they've always been able to get pretty good players. I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, much like we talked about in the football wrap-up, can they get those kind of depth guys to supplement them? And um, it'd be interesting to see where we go from there because, you know, the other story that I thought about was the, you know, ongoing conference expansion rumors and whether or not Kansas is going to go to the Big Ten. And Obviously, there's a lot out there that that suggests they might. But um, I think in order for them to be as attractive as possible, they need to, you know, keep improving those Olympic sports programs in addition, obviously, to, you know, the big ones in, in football and men's basketball. But um, if they can kind of you know, get that going a little bit, you know, maybe that will make them a little bit more attractive and, and get them into a, a better conference sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, and, and kind of to your point, like Rich Price was at Kansas for 20 years as a baseball coach, which honestly, you know, with, with how, with the kind of problems or the kind of obstacles that you have, it, it would not shock me, right? You're either going to have a coach that's going to be there forever because, people recognize the realities of the situation or you're going to have a lot of churn because nobody's ever going to be able to find kind of the, the purchase that they need to be able to, to be there for a really long time. And, and I think Rich Price did, did enough early in his career to essentially give him that status of, you know, unless he really screws it up, he's going to be able to be here for pretty much as long as he wants to be, you know, and the fact that they were bringing in guys like Maui Ahuna, um, you know, or bring, or, you know, the occasional good season that would allow them to kind of compete at the top of the conference. You know, they, they won the big 12 conference tournament one year and went to the NCAA tournament. Like there's not a lot of expectations because of those obstacles, because of those natural disadvantages that you have being a, you know, a cold weather school, essentially in a warm weather sport. Um, and so it's definitely one of those things where, you know, I was, I was sad to see him go, not necessarily because he had everything on the right path or that they were going to have drastic improvement here, but because of all that he had given to the university and, and just how, how well he had represented the university. And you can, you can argue about tactics about what he did or things like that. But, you know, like you said, you have to acknowledge how difficult the job is, how difficult it is to be able to build this program. Um, you know, I do think that they were probably looking at, at moving on and at some point here in the next year or two anyway, just because, you know, when, when every other program is seeing big, you know, strides forward with the exception of maybe the softball program, um, you know, it's it's hard to be the one team or the one of two teams that's lagging behind and not see some sort of significant changes. So, um, you know, definitely grateful for what he was able to do here. 
and and like you said, the you know the kind of the steady hand that he gave to the baseball program. I am excited to see what they're able to do. There's a lot of names being thrown about as possible, you know, guys that could could jump in, but there's nobody that like I'd be willing to report or anything like that at this point. Um, but there's definitely a lot of options, you know, and and Travis Goff I think has has shown that he has the right frame of mind to be able to find the best option for them for that program moving forward. And I'm joined once again by Mike Vernon, a.k.a. the KU Scoopmeister. Uh, Mike, let's finish up with your favorite, the biggest, or your you know most impactful story from something other than uh, men's basketball or football this year. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. This is a dramatic pause. I already touched on football stadium money a little bit. I think that's going to be pretty major conference realignment. I think we talked about this a year ago on this podcast. Uh, Amazing, by the way, still in the picture TV rights in the big 12, really the big 10 TV deal that's about to get announced is about to cause some ripple effects. I think all major things. I'll, I'll try to summarize that Travis Goff, has got himself a fascinating situation. He has also started incredibly well. Yeah. I mean, you know, just the general vibe and consensus, like, man, people have his back around the program. He has earned their trust. To me, this is the most important thing moving forward as far as fundraising goes, which will be critical. Um, as far as positioning the athletic department, it's got so many fascinating ways it can go here in the future where we really have NIL in this critical landscape to navigate. Um, potential, there's you know talk of 35 of the top college teams moving to this like semi-pro format while the rest will stay in the collegiate mo- really model. And how how Goff navigates all of that is going to be so critical. People love him. People are very confident in him. I think he's got to hire a baseball coach. Like, I don't, I'm not particularly interested in how that plays out. But to start off hiring Lance Leipold, like, that's a win. To have the team show up in Austin side of one of the biggest donors – that the university has, I mean, that's a major win to, he really is standing by Bill. I think really closely hitching his wagon to Bill, having his back, will have his back through NCAA, IARP matters. Um, and, and then to have Bill come through in reverse with the championship. I mean, vibes at the athletic department have to be the best they've been in a decade. I really would believe that, but it's, it's still going to be, there's no better timing for this to happen, but it's a really scary time for college athletics and KU's place in it. I I really believe that in no matter what the result is, like it's still scary. Like the, the things being discussed are scary. What happens if, if some of the big 10 and SEC break off and KU isn't, isn't it what does it mean for basketball what does it mean for football i mean is foot is basketball better off in the big 12 like 
I, I think Bill wants to go Big Ten if he had his choice. Uh, is fundraising dependent on its positioning within the conference, within conference realignment? Um, and how does that impact the, the larger scale and picture if the Big Ten is maybe looking at things a bit differently now through these TV contracts that are being negotiated? And it sounds like the Big Ten is about to land an all-time massive deal with multiple networks getting involved. Um, but that, to me, signals that they need more content, which KU's got 30 premium Oops, games, streaming. So all of it, it's just really critical, you know, guiding Leipold and holding him accountable at the same time and making sure that recruiting is okay is something I'm curious about. Uh, But really it's, he needs to land money for the football stadium. Keep Bill happy, but also support NIL. Fundraise there. Um. He's got to, oh, oh, and the other thing is, are you expanding or attracting varsity sports? Um, Really, really curious about that. The Big Ten would probably require an expansion. So these are just things we're going to need to look for. That's going to cost money. Um, Most places are probably looking to retract. I'd say most, most athletic departments over the last 10, 15 years are looking to cut spending rather than spend more and have more sports. So just a really fascinating time for the brand, for the university. I think they're really smart. I think they're going to switch it. They're looking at uniforms, understanding what fans want for hoops. That's, that's circus font. Yeah, uh, I know. I th- I think football branding is going to change, going to change here for the season. I've been talking about that on Twitter that we're going to get some Warhawk full-time, maybe simple uniforms with, with Warhawk. I thought it'd be kind of fun to do like somehow branded around like a Warhawk game or two of the year, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen, but this is all, this all ladders back to Travis Paul right? his administration. Yeah. I think the big takeaway here is that for once it finally feels like we have an athletic director that understands the scope of the job all the different things that are going to go into it and just how far he has to stretch himself to be able to handle everything. Cause I think that's, There's, that's typically what we've seen, right? Like Shane Zinger, you know, he did, he actually did, I think a lot better job than I gave him credit for. Um, but you look at what he had to do, right? Like he had to have a, you know, he had to, to deal with stadium stuff and had to build that support there and had to do all of this additional stuff. Um, and I just don't think he was well equipped to be able to handle it because of the situation that was on the ground. Travis Goff seems to understand a lot of that and be able to set himself up to do a lot. Jeff Long, I don't think was very well equipped to do many of the things that he was supposed to be able to do. You know, his, it was about making a big splash and getting a lot of attention that way and then hoping that all the rest of it kind of settled into place. Um, you know, so like you look and this is the first time that I feel like we have a competent athletic director that understands how difficult this job is, how many different, you know, buckets he needs to have his hand in, how many different places he needs to be working and is confident enough in his own process to identify those decisions and come to a good decision for it in a timely manner that it finally feels like Kansas is at, at a point where the athletic department is in good hands. And I, I can't say that I've thought that the athletic department has been in good hands for 
any of the prior, you know, three athletic directors that they had. I think you're, I think you're right. Zenger also had a tough job though. He botched it. He got conned by Charlie Weiss, but also he just, he did keep Bill self happy, right? Like he did the primary objective. Jeff Long didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Travis, Travis is off to a good start. People love him. Clearly a fundraiser. I've also been told like he thinks on a bigger scale than what we're used to. And I pushed for details and I couldn't really get them. But the context was in terms of the football stadium, really thinking big. I think that's maybe where some multi-use could come out of other ways to generate revenue. Uh, The guy's a fundraiser. Also like that's his track record. And you put, if, if you can do it at Northwestern and then you put a, someone who truly gets KU culture, tradition, you know, there, there's a chance for things to go really well. There are also going to be things out of his control. And that's where I'm like, he's got one hell of a difficult job ahead of him. And, and so we can be optimistic. The landscape of college athletics is changing. I'm pretty glad that, that we do have Goff running this right now based on everything I've, I've been told. Let's hope they can land uh, some stadium fundraising. They're not gonna, they're not gonna show off anything they've done for the stadium until he is a hundred percent sure he's got the money or or all, mo- enough of the money to roll this out to then finish off the rest. Like he is so thorough and diligent about this. Can we do a little scoop? Can we do a two minutes? Sure. Do you, have ahead. you heard? I don't have anything. I'm wondering if have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything new since what we talked about previously it's like gone yeah quiet. it's gone very it's very quiet, quiet which is usually I'm, usually a good sign that something is getting close work work is being done i'm i'm thinking more around the fall i think we had heard spring earlier but it seems like this is going to be more of a fall pr- announcement project is what it sounds yeah, like for sure it makes sense to time it with football season uh so all good things generally scary time for college athletics and KU's place in that world. But so that, that's the other thing. Right. Yeah. It it feels like, I think the main takeaway is it feels like they are at a point now where you can at least feel confident that they're going to find a good spot. Don't know what that spot exactly is going to be, but you can feel confident that they have the leadership in place to be able to find a good spot when this is all said and done. It's, it's a critical time. And uh, it's a good time that it's not Jeff Long in charge. Also, so what? Uh, what did other? What did other? Did anyone else go down this path of like murky area and golf? What other things nope, did were really. people interested in? So we had. Some, I, I want to know. Yeah, so we had some people talking about like women's basketball. Uh, we had someone talk about the baseball team. Uh, I believe someone else talked about volleyball. So, like we've we've been all over the place, and of course, some people talked about NIL and all that stuff. So yeah, it's been all so, over the place. So NIL is the, is the other fascinating thing and how they navigate that. And I kind of looked it in. I'm very curious to see how, how they can fundraise, how they can keep up, but also with the NCAA watching over them, KU is being so careful. Yeah, for sure. And, and don't so want, don't want to give them any other ammunition for anything right now. So Right. So, so KU is kind of stuck waiting uh, to be more aggressive with NIL. Duke hired a GM today for their college basketball team. And that is absolutely something that makes sense to me. You need someone who is just looking at 
the roster over long periods of time and letting coaches be coaches. So really fascinating time there. For sure. And that's going to do it for us today. Thanks to everybody for jumping on. I do have the opportunity to actually share, kind of wrap up all the things that I wanted to highlight that we didn't get actually talked about. Um, and look, there's tons of them we can talk about. We, you know, we can talk. It was mentioned briefly about the women's volleyball team making it to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament again for the first time in quite a long time. Um, but hey, it was a great year for them. They have a ton of talent coming back. Yes, they did lose a transfer in Caroline Crawford, um, but Caroline BN is coming back. They have a great core of players and I'm looking forward to what they can do this year. I am hoping for us to be able to, if not have a credentialed reporter out there for some of their games, at least be able to do a lot more coverage over on Blue Wings Rising and here on the podcast. Um, really, really looking forward to that. I do have actually somebody in mind um, specifically to be covering the women's volleyball team um, and some of the other women's sports. So hopefully we can get all of that put together and we, you guys can get a lot more great coverage of those teams because we have some fantastic teams. Kansas soccer, has been playing amazing. Um, yes, they didn't necessarily finish off the year the way that they would have wanted to, um, but the fact that they played as well as they did and closed the season the way they did was absolutely fantastic. Uh, KU Track and Field as, as has been actually at the national championships um, out in Eugene, Oregon. They had, uh, I believe it was eight different player or eight different contestants or eight different team members that were out there actually performing. Um, just highlight some of those, you know, the, I think, I think the biggest highlight of that would be, uh, would be Alexandra Emelianoff. I think that's how you say her last name. I, I apologize, Alexandra, if, if it's wrong. Um, but she closed out her KU career. She got a second place finish in the discus throw. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's her best finish ever, but she's gotten all America honors at the NCAA championships four years in a row. So she's an absolutely fantastic district thrower, uh, representing the Jayhawks. You know, they had, they had uh, a total of eight different people that placed all America honors, which I'm not exactly sure how that works, but essentially you, you hit whatever the threshold is, um, in track and field to be one of the top X number. It will get you first team, second team, third team, um, all America honors. So it's a little different than we're used to hearing about. Uh, it's definitely directly performance related, which is a great thing. Um, to really kind of tell how great they've been. So absolutely great work from the KU track and field. Um, you know, and then I'll just kind of echo the sentiments about the women's basketball team that, that a lot of people have talked about. It's great to see them, um, you know, as well as they did. And, and I think that kind of wraps up with my overall thought. You know, the athletic department has seen some unprecedented, I think, success this year across a bunch of different programs, um, mainly because... It feels like for the first time, and, and this is probably my biggest story, it feels like for the first time we have an athletic director, uh, in, sorry, the first time in a long time that we have an athletic director that understands what it takes to manage multiple programs at the same time. He knows when to step in. He knows when to allow them to kind of just do their thing. Um, yes, there are going to have to be some changes as things go on. Like that's kind of just the way it normally happens in an athletic department, but I have the confidence in, in the work that Travis Goff has done um, to understand that he's going to be able to balance the needs of the football team and getting the football program better because that is one of the flagship programs of the athletic department. 
but also maintaining the success that you see throughout the rest of the athletic department. There's a lot of work to be done, a lot of different teams that have ways that they can get better and represent the university better. And I have full confidence that Travis Goff is the right man in the job right now for them to be able uh, to to maximize the opportunities for the athletic department uh, to really do what they can do. So that's my biggest story was Travis Goff getting hired and the way that he's run the athletic department in his first year. Um, yes, he hasn't really had to do that much because a lot of, I'm sorry, in terms of like coaching uh, hires or anything like that, because let's be completely honest, most of these teams are at a point where they are actually performing pretty well and he knew well enough to leave things alone until he could get a good sense of where everything needed to be. So uh, I'm not sure what he's been doing behind the scenes just because those are, you know, behind the scenes. We don't get to hear about those a lot, but it sounds like whatever it is, he's pushing the right buttons and helping people and supporting people the way that they need to be. So I'm very thankful that Travis Goff is here at the University of Kansas um, as the athletic director, and I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do in the next few years um, as an athletic department, you know, as he as he steers us through all of this commentary alignment stuff and everything that's going on at this point. So, But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, we're – Go, please go out wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just subscribe so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, it really does help to get the podcast out there, get more people listening so that we can do more great things for you guys. If you can, um, you know, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. There's 10 podcasts right now. Uh, you're going to be hearing from a lot of the other podcasts here on the network as we do these previews for the opponents coming up. So if you head on over uh, on Twitter at TEN12Network, you can get links to all the great shows. We are on the Anchor platform, so you can actually leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. Go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get you on the show. But that is going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Promo code CHALK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Phoenix, aka I also hate pit, joined by my brother Jeremy J and Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys.